listening to the Real Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Real Life Church, including our gathering times in Yuma, Arizona, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Bob Van Horn. Well, I'm really glad that you're back with us here at Real Life Church in Yuma, Arizona. We have been looking at this little book called First Timothy in a series which I've entitled Church Matters. Now, you know, and I know, that the church that is led by the Lord Jesus is the hope of the world. Unfortunately, Paul was writing this letter to Timothy to a church, well, that had kind of got sidetracked. And so Paul is giving him instruction on how to get things right. Today, we're going to begin to look at some of those things, those church matters that Paul writes Timothy about that ought to be good for our churches today. Last week, we started looking at, again, women and their roles inside of a church. And today, we're going to answer the very simple question of who's in charge of the church. We're only going to look at one verse today. We're going to look at chapter 3, verse 1 here in just a second. But who is in charge of the church? Unfortunately, most American Christians would answer the question, well, the pastor is, or maybe the elders are, or the deacons, or the congregation is in charge of the church. Unfortunately, that's not what the Bible says, even though that is the practice of a lot of churches in our Western world. Now, today, Unfortunately, when we say pastors are in charge of the church, we miss what God says, the blueprint or design for what God wanted the church and how for the church to operate. Pastors today are running around like chipmunks, overwhelmed with responsibility, and it is a huge responsibility to lead in a church. So to prevent that, maybe Maybe we ought to draw back to what God's design originally was. Who is in charge of the church? Is the church like our government? Is it a democracy where each person gets a vote to exercise control over the church? Or should the pastor run the church and everything that gets done, should it be decided by him? Well, democracy is the American way, but is it the Christian way? Is it what the Bible says? So who is in charge of the church? Now, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, and basically for the following 13 verses, we're going to see some characteristics and qualifications of people who hold office within the church. Now, before we examine those qualifications, and we'll actually get them in the weeks to come, I want to make sure that you understand that I know that a lot of us that are listening today come from different backgrounds, different types of churches. I'm just going by what the scripture says that I believe how the church ought to operate. Maybe you're going to disagree, and that's okay. Um, We can disagree. But let's examine it from what God says and not necessarily what tradition says, or maybe even how your church does it today, because a lot of how churches operate today are based on tradition 
and not necessarily what the scripture says. So let's read our one verse that we're looking at today and then answer the question, who's in charge of the church? Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. It is a trustworthy statement. I like that. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. So Paul begins in this passage to give us a background of the two offices that are in a church, the office of elder and the office of deacon. Today we're looking at elder, or could I say overseer, slant pastor, slant elder. They all come from the same word. What I believe Paul is instructing Timothy is that he would like Timothy to develop a church where Christ exercised leadership over his church through spiritually mature elders who shepherd his flock. Now, I said that very specifically, and the words I chose were very purposeful. And I want to read that one more time because I believe this is, well, the problem of a lot of churches today. It's Christ who exercises headship over his church, over his church, through spiritually mature elders who shepherd his flock. So, taking this statement, who's in charge of the church? Jesus is. Jesus is the head of the church. It is his church. I think we make a mistake when we say that this is my church um, or um, I run the church. The local church today does not belong to the pastors. It does not belong to the elders. It does not belong to the congregation. And we need to be very careful that we understand that the church that you attend, Jesus Christ is to be the head of that church. And the leadership needs to subject itself to him as the leader. The church is not a democratic organization where members are free to vote their own mind on issues. When key questions come up, We should not ask ourselves, what is the vote of the people? But what is the will of Christ? See, when you start to look up definitions, and I encourage you to do that, the church is a living organism where Christ is the head. The church is not to be organized as a corporation um, with a pastor and an elder board and a, a board of directors, and the congregation is the shareholders. Webster's even defines an organization as an administrative, functional structure, a living organism constituted to carry out the activities of the person that's in charge. So the church is a living organism that should be executing the will of God, not in a corporate way, not in a corporate manner where God is the head of the church. So the main function of these elders, slant pastors, slant overseers, 
is to submit themselves to Christ's leadership in leading that local body. I used to come from a strong congregational rule type of church where the congregation voted on everything. And again, being Americans, we all vote all the time and say that we have a democratic system where everybody gets to vote and everybody has rights, but Paul tells Timothy that's not the way the church ought to operate. That the elders, those overseers slant pastors, are responsible for, again, leadership through Christ Jesus, not themselves, not their wills, and not their desires, but through the direction of Christ and his will for that body. Now, when we start to look at this word elders, okay, it's actually the Greek word, here, are you ready for this? Presbyterios, okay, which means a man of maturity, not necessarily, okay, um, someone in age, but definitely, no doubt about it, with spiritual discernment. It's a word that a lot of times is interchanged as pastors. It's a word that's interchanged as overseers. There isn't an age requirement, okay, but elders need to be spiritually mature because they are responsible for seeking out God's direction, God's will, God's purpose, and not anybody else's. The overseers to watch over the church. They're to guard the local church. They, like I said, have the responsibility of knowing and seeking out God's will for the local body. They are to guide the spiritual growth of the sheep um, that attend there. They are to discern the spiritual dangers that are out there. And they are accountable to God for their shepherding of the body. They are to lead from what I call a servanthood point of view. They're to lead like Christ led. I know that several churches, again, operate differently, and I'm not here to call them wrong. I'm not here to say that they are wrong, but I don't believe it is the blueprint or the design that God had in mind, especially when he instructs Timothy through Paul to go out and to fix this church that had gone, well, astray. So there are a couple principles that I think that we can take from this passage um, and from God's Word. Um, And again, I think that we've already discussed this in previous messages, if you've been following along with us. But first of all, I believe that elders, um, using the strictest interpretation of God's Word, need to be men. Uh, I'm adamant about this, not the point that they have to be men, I'm not adamant about that. That's what the scripture says. I am adamant, though, okay, that women, okay, are not only gifted as elders, gifted as teachers, gifted as overseers, gifted as pastors. I'm adamant about that. I believe God does that. The difference is, is there is only one office of elders. And I believe the scripture is pretty clear, and we take the strictest interpretation that the office of elders, those who are holding the office of elders, need to be men. Now, like I said, I said this a couple weeks ago, and I say this again, that's God's design. 
That's what his scripture says. And I know that there are people that don't like that. I know that there are people that, again, fight against that. But these are, if you look at it, the qualifications are written towards men. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you straight up that I believe that women, again, sometimes pastor better. Sometimes they're better teachers. Sometimes they're better all-around shepherds. But they don't hold the office of elder. Now, be careful, okay, because that is a hot point for a lot of different people on a lot of different places, but that's what the scripture says. I also believe that there ought to be a plurality of elders. Uh, The church should not be a dictatorship. It should not be just one person calling the shots um, because it's easy for one person to, well, mess up what he believes God is trying to take the church. So if it's just one person out there calling all the shots, you could run into some serious problems. At Real Life Church, where I'm pastor, we have several elders, um, and we try to be 100% in agreement in everything that we do, simply because we believe if we're seeking out God's will, God's direction, God's purpose, well, he's not going to lead us in separate directions. So if we're not 100% in agreement, we go back and we pray more. We look at that topic more from what God's word says before we make decisions. I think that that is so important because we are responsible, the elders, we are accountable before God, and we're accountable before our church. So as we kind of go forward in this, and we will, um, next time we meet, we're going to start looking at the different uh, characteristics of elders, how they shepherd the flock, how they are used by God to lead the local congregation, So I hope you'll come back and be with us as we look at those qualifications next time we're together. So again, all right, um, looking at Paul's example, all right, of what an elder is, I hope, I hope that answers your questions. And if it doesn't, and you've got a question, maybe you're listening from somewhere uh, different than, you know, Yuma, Arizona, and maybe you've got questions about elders or how they operate here at the church where I'm at. I would encourage you to email me, bob at reallifeyuma.com, and I would love to try to answer your questions concerning elders, um, if you have any, all right? I want to just pray for you uh, and just pray God's blessing over you, uh, and then I'll see you next time. God, thanks for our time together, and uh, God, very short, very quick, but Lord, we're starting to look at these church matters, these things that Paul was instructing Timothy, well, that he needed to get right. I would pray, Father, that we would be churches that would be led by the Lord Jesus. God, every time man gets involved, we mess it up. And, I, and, and Lord knows we've, we've messed up enough churches and enough places because we're following our leadership instead of yours. God, help us to recognize you are the head of the church. It is not anything or anyone else, but you are the head of the local New Testament church. And God, I pray that we would follow you wherever you lead us, and we would do exactly what you've called us to do, that we would be the church that would truly be the hope of the world. God, I pray that to be true in our church, and I pray it to be true in every church. And it is, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. And next time we get together, we're going to start looking at some of these qualifications 
of elders. All right, I'll see you next time. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com or download the Real Life Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Real Life Church Podcast.